0: It feels like a defining moment. I I hope it's a defining moment in some ways. Again, I think the American people stood up and said, no, we can't go along with this.
1: Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content. More conversation coming up after this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. The crisis on the border reached a boiling point this week. Now, Indiana lawmakers are reacting to the political firestorm over the government's controversial policy separating migrant children from their families. It's led to a moral crisis in our country. Then the president reversed course this past week, signing an executive order after initially saying he couldn't. Our Matt Smith has more.
2: Hi, Dan. Yeah, good morning. A lot of moving pieces and a lot of action, of course, we saw in the past week. The president signing that executive order on Wednesday, leading up to that, a lot of pressure and concern from both Democrats and Republicans, including members of our Indiana delegation. The U.S. government released new video showing conditions inside a Border Patrol facility as both the outcry and finger-pointing intensifies. And I say
1: it's very strongly the Democrats' fault.
3: It is just no truth to that at all. I mean, um, President Bush didn't do this. President Obama didn't do this. This was a decision made by the administration.
4: Congress alone can fix it. This takes care of the problem.
2: So, of course, as we have heard a lot of questions still moving forward about this executive order, congressional action, potential lawsuits, and the overall immigration debate in Congress. Dan.
1: All right, Matt, thanks. So what happens next in Congress? Lawmakers already delaying a vote on one immigration bill. This is Congresswoman Susan Brooks joined some of her House colleagues Friday writing a letter seeking answers from the administration on where things stand now. This past week, I spoke with Indiana lawmakers on both sides of the aisle. First, my conversation with Republican Senator Todd Young. Are you satisfied this executive order the president signed will really fix this situation? And what about the families that are currently separated? Do we need to do more to make sure these families get reunited?
3: So uh, I'm not entirely satisfied. I I think the president did the right thing. Keeping families together uh, is the right thing to do. I think uh, just about every Hoosier would agree with that uh, sentiment and uh, every American Uh, But Congress really needs to act if we're going to come up with a sustainable solution. That's going to require bipartisan work uh, to uh, secure our border once and for all, to end the previous policy of catch and release, uh, which was not only inhumane because it created this perverse incentive for people to come across the border under uh, horrible conditions and uh, put uh, minor children uh, in danger, uh, and uh, we, we need to make sure that we give certainty to the rest of our immigrants in conjunction with that. So the only way we're going to get that done is through a bipartisan effort, and um, I'm committed to this. As, as a Marine officer, I, I served on the border uh, making sure that uh, we did what we could uh, to leverage the latest technologies to keep that border safe and secure. I have a long history fighting uh, on this issue, and I'll continue to do so on behalf of Hoosiers. Uh, We haven't seen from the Democratic leadership the same commitment to getting this done. In fact, Chuck Schumer said just yesterday that he wants to keep the focus on Donald Trump. He wants to keep the focus on Donald Trump, which I think is certainly an unproductive thing to say at this time when we should be coming together uh, to actually change the law.
1: Should this be about politics? Some have said the response in Washington on this was way too late. To your credit, you did put out a statement early. This week about this, some of your colleagues, other elected officials here in Indiana, said nothing about this publicly at all until the executive order was signed by the president. Were you disappointed to see them take what what some might call a a less than courageous stance on this?
3: You know, each of us has our own election certificate. Uh, each of us answers to our constituents and uh, has to defend uh, our statements or lack thereof or actions or lack thereof. So uh, I'll let my colleagues, uh, whom I respect, speak for themselves. All I can say is I'm committed to keeping families united, expeditiously reuniting uh, those who have been separated, and coming up with a long-term solution, which I have to emphasize is going to require Congress to finally act. On that point, the president is absolutely right.
1: What about the White House and the way all of this was handled? Just a few days ago, uh, the DHS secretary said this policy was not a policy, in her words. Then she's there days later as the president signs the executive order uh, to essentially undo parts of that policy. Should they have been more uh, upfront, more transparent about what what was happening here?
3: Yeah, I prefer not to be retrospective with respect to this. Uh, there was a consent decree signed by our, uh, our judiciary, our, our uh, rather justice department years ago. Uh, this is the so called Flores decision, uh, where justice worked with a federal court and, and um, it was decided that uh, a uh, detention could only occur for uh, 20 days, but it takes longer to process. Uh, individuals than those 20 days. So um, I think that this policy, uh, which has been longstanding, we've needed to get more clarity about a better approach. The approach that the previous administration took was called catch and release. We would release individuals who came across the border uh, and and they were supposed to uh, come back to a, a federal court on their honor Uh, The honor system didn't work, and and again, it created a perverse incentive uh, so that uh, people would would come across the border with children, knowing that they could then blend into society creates not just um, a a situation where you violate our laws, but also a security risk uh, to a number of our citizens.
1: Isn't there some amount of retrospective thinking that needs to take place on this to to make sure it doesn't happen again? Some have even called this a a moral stain on our nation. Are are you ashamed to see this take place in in our country
3: I am ashamed that uh, uh, Congress uh, has not been able to come together and and get this done so as an institution We have a lot to answer for going back a number of years. This didn't start uh, in recent months. This has uh, been a longstanding issue. It's a national security issue. The situation was exacerbated by President Obama uh, when he announced his DACA policy of, of essentially not prosecuting individuals who came across the border, further incentivizing more people to come across the border. It's time for Congress to put an end to this. Enact border security deal with the other aspects of immigration reform. I'm committed to it.
1: But don't both sides need to put the politics aside here? You're talking about not retrospectively looking back at the actions of the Trump administration in the past couple of weeks but you're speaking quite a bit about what has happened in previous administrations. No, I'm to Ill-
3: I'm tr- what I'm trying to do is illustrate the long history this has had. I think much has been said in recent days uh, about the president's uh, decisions. I think he ended up in a good spot. I wanted to remind people that the, this uh, policy issue uh, extends back a, a number of years, and it's, in the end, it's been Congress that has failed to provide clarity on the law that has failed to uh, secure our border and um, handle all the other aspects of immigration reform that, frankly, uh, rank-and-file Hoosiers tell me they want us to handle.
1: Okay, we've got to leave it there. Senator Todd Young, thank you so much for taking a a few minutes to talk about uh, what's been a, a pretty difficult week in Washington, no doubt. We thank you so much.
3: Thank you, Dan
1: okay let's turn now to congressman andre carson congressman what a week it was where should this conversation go next on immigration and and what do you think finally led
5: to this reversal from the president well uh, congress missed a major opportunity a few months ago to uh, act on immigration reform bill i think we have to revisit that conversation in an honest way i think the president's backtracking says a lot about the power of people. I think it shows that when people protest, when they make phone calls, when they hold their elective representatives accountable, things could really get done. And and, and what we saw from the groundswell of Republicans, Democrats, independents, libertarians, uh, people who aren't even politically active, show so much disappointment uh, in the administration, I think he had to respond. But can
1: things get done in in Congress? We just spoke with Senator Young, and and while he says keeping families together is the right thing to do, he says Congress needs to act in a bipartisan way. And he kind of pointed the finger at Democrats and said we haven't seen Democratic leadership, in his words, has a commitment to get this done and that they want to keep the focus on President Trump. What's your response
5: to that and to the president blaming Democrats on this issue? Do Democrats deserve some of the blame? Well, the Republicans hold majorities Uh, in both the House and the Senate, and they have the White House. And I think in a very real sense, uh, it's their responsibility to get this done. Democrats uh, are in the minority. We will push them, but they have the numbers to really get this thing through. And so my hope is that while politicians are positioning themselves for the 2018 elections, it's easy to throw blame at one side or the other. But when you have the House, the Senate and the White House, the responsibility essentially rests on your shoulders. What did you make of the way the White House handled this issue? Well, I think, I think the provocations. I think the constant uh, uh, minimizing of certain communities is unacceptable. I think trivializing the plight of those families who are separated. I mean, even the signing of his executive order um, is late. Um, I think a lot of damage has already been done that doesn't speak to the over 2,000 families who have been impacted before the signing of the executive order. We still have to deal with those families as well. Uh, we have a long ways to go, but I think that the administration has to be more responsible at balancing the rhetoric of protecting our borders while not separating families, especially damaging those folks even more so who have been damaged while they're seeking asylum.
1: All right. A lot going on this week. Congressman Andre Carson, thanks for talking with us today. We appreciate it. Always an honor. Thank you, sir. All right. Up next, Governor Holcomb reacts to the president's executive order and meets with Vice President Pence in D.C., but his public comments on tariffs raising some eyebrows. We'll explain coming up next. All right, time now to bring in our panel. Democrat Jamar Cobb Dinard with us today. Two former state lawmakers, Republican Mike Murphy, Democrat Christina Hale, and Indy Star columnist Tim Swearens. Obviously, a lot to talk about this week after the events of the past few days. And Tim, you have a really fantastic column in the Indy Star this morning and online called My Hopes
0: for a Troubled America. Where are we as a country after all of this? Boy, it's hard to it's hard to know because we've had a very contentious time, we're in a very uh, contentious period of our history. My hope is that we begin to come together, that we understand what, what we've seen along the border in the last week or two uh, is a defining moment for our country and I think we need to move forward with the conversation about what we want to be as a country.
1: It seemed at least for a day or two uh, where people were talking about the human aspects of a story like this. Uh, but then a lot of a, a lot of political conversation around this topic as well
4: well, yeah, those two issues are so infused and we 're seeing this to your point earlier, not just here in the United States but all over the world. So who are we as American people, to your point, Tim, from your really tremendous column also something that even got lost in the news this week had to do with the fact that NATO is questioning our alliance and the whole western alliance. I mean, there are some very big things happening here and then we see them played out, you know, in in terms of families and the human beings down on our southern border that need help.
1: Well, what about the way uh, the administration handled this controversy, Mike? What's your take?
2: Well, it's interesting that they handled it very poorly. I'm not saying it didn't happen during the Obama administration too. It did. But they handled it so poorly because they made such a big deal of it, you know, quoting biblical authority to be separating children from their families and that kind of thing. And then they turn around, they write the executive, they sign the executive order, and then they try to take credit for it as if they came upon it themselves. It was the moral outrage of the country, Republicans and Democrats, left, right, and center, that caused that
1: executive order to be signed. Putting out their own fire. I saw you raise your eyebrows when you mentioned this happening in previous
6: administrations, uh, not, not to this extent. Well, I think the extent of it was magnified by social media and public outcry, which is a negative and could be a positive about Trump's connection to social media, but also a great positive because he's hearing what the public are saying about this issue, which probably led to the executive order. A lot of, uh, lot of public pressure, no doubt. Uh, then there was the cover of Time Magazine showing uh, the president and
1: this uh, now iconic picture uh, of a little girl at the border who we've now learned was not actually separated. Uh, from her family, uh, nonetheless a a Time magazine cover uh, the president likely won't be putting up in his office.
2: Well, I think, quite frankly, it was a case of it was a massive failure on the part of Time Magazine. It was sloppy journalism, and what happens is when when a major magazine like that makes a mistake like that, it really calls into question the reporting of legitimate reporters around the nation. It really hurt the journalism well, industry. And, and
1: more broadly speaking, a lot of this would not have been known if it weren't for the work of some journalists who've been down there on the. There's
0: been some very good work, but I think Mike is right. That cover is very unfortunate. It's it's a violation of basic journalism. principles and ethics you've got to have the facts right and I don't care some people try to make the excuse that it's a photo illustration that doesn't excuse it a photo illustration has to be based in reality if you're going to use a piece of a photo it has to be factually correct.
6: Now there are a lot of questionable facts about how this story was told and that was one of the problems this week about pinning down how to resolve it. But one story that wasn't told was the plight of border cities and border towns with the influx of immigrants and the impact on immigration and the impact on crime and the impact on social services. Uh, This is a big issue and I'm glad that we're taking steps to solve it.
0: Absolutely right. It is a big issue. It's a complex issue. We need to have a bipartisan adult conversation about this. We're not the only country in the world that's dealing with these issues. Italy, France, Germany, lots of European countries are struggling with mass migration and how to handle it.
4: Uh, You're exactly right, too, and I think we can't forget this isn't just a philosophical problem. This isn't just about high philosophy. What should we do today? practically, people, families are failing. There, are, There's much talk of sexual assaults of teenagers held in captivity. There are many things happening, and we can't just wait to respond until we have the perfectly baked answer. Let's talk
1: about the Indiana reaction to all of this this week. We heard earlier from Senator Todd Young. You, you had Congressman Todd Rokita earlier this week basically uh, defending the president's policy earlier, blaming the media. Also here, Congressman Trey Hollingsworth uh, putting out a statement, but not until Wednesday. We had asked his Uh, office for a statement Monday, we didn't hear from them Monday or Tuesday. He did issue a statement Wednesday, but not until after the president had signed his executive order. Hollingsworth said, I support the quick executive order ending the tragedy of family separation. Um, How do members of Congress uh, fit into this equation when you talk about um, an issue like this and not weighing in on
0: it until after? An executive order has been signed. As I wrote last week, leaders lead. And we saw our, in particular our Republicans, and I'm not trying to be partisan here, but, but most of our congressional de- delegation made up of Republicans, they were very silent until they were forced to say something. Republicans who happen to be in the same party as as the president
4: yeah and let's just stop playing politics I mean this is time to lead it's time to get something done human beings are suffering on a mem- number of levels right here in our country and we got to do something whether it's DCS and children suffering here in Indiana or on our southern border I'll mention that in a minute
1: um, no doubt this is an issue uh, that will continue to be in the headlines uh, Governor Holcomb also had been uh, fairly quiet on the immigration topic specifically he met with v- Vice President Pence in Washington this past week and after the meeting said he was, quote, heartened to learn that the president was taking short-term action to stop the practice of child separations at the border. Specifically, the governor says in that meeting he talked with the vice president about the economy and trade, also guys expressing some concerns, according to the governor's office, about the impact of tariffs on Indiana businesses. Though the governor says he was encouraged by the VP's comments about progress being made in those Trade negotiations—it's kind of the furthest he's gone in terms of expressing concerns about what those tariffs will mean here in the Hoosier state.
2: It's—it's it's tough to be a governor when you're talking about international trade, when, when you're so dependent, quite frankly, sure. on exports. I mean, he Canada, met with the Canadian Prime Minister. Canada is a Indiana's ago. largest yeah. trading partner; has been by far for decades. And so here's here's Holcomb sitting there having to watch uh, Trump and Pence and others really negotiate on his behalf and not really being able to impact the results in an
1: awkward situation with his former boss when he was lieutenant governor right and now
6: talking to him as vice president it is an awkward situation but I'm glad he's there having the conversation for Hoosiers and Hoosier producers uh, whether it's soybeans or pork America's facing a almost trillion dollar trade deficit and to go into negotiations saying that we're gonna put a 20% tariff on uh, imports of of vehicles, right, Uh, that's not a great position to be in and it can really hurt Hoosier families.
1: All right, also this past week, the governor talked about the findings of a new review of the state's Department of Child Services, which. Christina referenced a minute ago, the study found Indiana has more than double the national average of cases. The governor is moving $25 million to DCS. Most of that money will pay for more staff and also mental health services for employees. The new DCS director will meet with state lawmakers next month. Also this week, news of a new gig for state Senate President Pro Tem David Long, who will be joining Ice Miller's public affairs group as a partner we did reach out to his office to ask about the uh, the ethics review process that's involved here as he makes that transition his office says no concerns because he won't be doing any lobbying but mike certainly always interesting when you have people uh, in state government, uh, kind of cross the hall, if you will, to to move into the public affairs and especially when they see me
2: playing two roles at once. Now, David Long, in my experience has always been very, very honest. One of the most honest, ethical guys in the state house. So I don't have too many concerns about him. But it he should lay out exactly what role he's going to play at Ice Miller while he's still the state Because he's currently state right sand, now still, still there. The He may sand sand not be voting yeah. on issues anymore, but he's still a very powerful man. It, it harkens back to 2006 when Luke Messer left the legislature and said, I'm leaving, but I'm not really leaving. By the way, I'm going to Ice Miller. So, and I don't know what he did or what he didn't do while he was there, but I do have a lot of faith that David Long will do the right things, but it's important for him to be very transparent as well. All right, we got to leave it there. Still ahead this morning,
1: talking about fighting crime in Indianapolis, the Mayor and police chief unveil their latest plan coming up next. Well, already this year, there have been 68 murders in Indianapolis, another record breaking pace this year. And with the warmer months still ahead, this past week, Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett and IMPD Chief Brian Roach outlined their latest crime prevention plan for the summer. The IMPD is committed uh, to a holistic approach. Uh, that gets into the neighborhoods before anyone gets in trouble. I wish I could wave a magic wand and in, in, in one fell swoop overnight change the numbers. I do think the numbers will come down. That's our goal. All right, it's something we'll be talking about more in the coming weeks here on this program as well. We're back to wrap things up right after this.
6: All right, we're going to wrap things up now with some final thoughts and this week's winners and losers. Jamar, you're first. First, Donald Trump is the winner for being on the right side of history on his uh, decision with the executive order and the separation of families.
2: Mike. He's too kind. Two losers this week. President Trump for his colossal uh, mistake on the, with the children on the border, and then Time Magazine for a devastating journalistic failure
4: my greatest concerns this week are for our children here in indiana where we have twice the national average caseload for children in need of services and also for the children on the border that have real practical problems that are in need today
0: Definitely. my winners the american people for standing up and forcing our government to stop separation of families my loser is the trump administration for how it's bungled this whole episode There's
1: a lot of public pressure this past week a lot of headlines and no doubt much more to come on cbs sunday morning and on face the nation you can hear more of our conversation on our podcast and we'll see you again next sunday in focus as we talk here on our podcast there's just not enough time even to talk about everything that happened this past week right and the way all of this went down um what is your biggest takeaway about what we just experienced the past few days and what that means about um, this country this administration and where we are right now in 2018
0: It it feels like a defining moment. I I hope it's a defining moment in some ways that, that again, I think the American people stood up and said, no, there's not, we can't go along with this. And um, we live in a democracy, thankfully, and the government had to say, we've got to listen and we've got to take a step back. And so the system worked in many respects. I I think the the, the zero tolerance policies in general are really bad ideas. Uh, They rarely work. And I think when you're dealing with families, a zero tolerance policy makes no sense.
1: This seemed like a humanizing moment maybe in our country where not everybody, there's a lot of people uh, on both sides still that are still pounding the flesh politically. But it seemed like a moment where people maybe looked at this particular issue through a different lens uh, just looked at our general political uh, friction in this country through a different lens. Uh, who knows, maybe that will go away uh, before long. People do
4: tend to do, I mean, I think it is a humanizing moment, but I think that there were some other points we didn't get to talk about where you have to question, for example, the first lady's choice of attire when she was going down to the border to visit. She wore that jacket that said something like, I don't care, do you? And there
0: were a lot of questions. about I think it was generally it seen as a slam on the media as how that was interpreted.
4: It but was it's hard certainly to tell hard to interpret. To, hard to I mean, interpret. it wasn't clear, yeah. but it was some kind of statement, and it was certainly a politi- politization. It wasn't of, an accidental. Yeah, yeah And let's say it was so an accidental. Uh, right.
1: a, a
2: humanizing moment because there were a lot of dehumanizing moments. Right. But you got to uh, remember, the, that you got to yeah. remember if you look at history good things happen after tragedies right right and tragedies are highlighted because of human human elements right look at the civil rights movement it wasn't until we saw the dogs biting people in alabama and the marches and things like that that president kennedy finally said we've got to do something right and and so you move forward 50 or 60 years and you have the little kids being pulled away from the mothers on the border the accurate versions And America rightfully stands up, but sometimes America needs to be kind of kicked in the shins to
6: react, and I think that's what happened. Is that what we saw this week? Humanizing or dehumanizing? don't forget about the long con. The Kaiser so of this matter, right? So I think about this in two ways. Number one, um, we started uh, earlier in the administration with the uh, DACA and the Dreamers conversation and immigration bills, and then we get here. But as soon as uh, uh, President Trump signs this executive order, you've got some conflict between administrative law and separation of powers. Uh, and you also have President Trump saying, uh, Congress don't do anything about this until after the November election. Well, if, if you wanted to make a change, then you wouldn't have told them that either.
1: And you have some federal agencies fighting about who's even in charge, but, but, what but, do we do, how but, do we but, handle but Let's look this, at DACA
6: compared to what we had this
2: week. The problem with DACA was it's hard to visualize. You have some bright looking, intelligent students who aren't gonna be able to get in-state tuition or whatever, okay? Well that's unfortunate but it's not tragic right in most people's minds Everyone well, every parent be can to be see employable. this right. they're a whole know, it's a whole but, lot more but, than but, it's, but it's I not see a, your point but it's every, not every, emotional everyone emotional. Tears. But these are also American right. citizens I not. know but there's no tears <laughs> there's none but with well, the kids on the border they're not American
0: citizens I, mean, I guess
2: the, But you that's had the issue. with the kids on the border you had much more graphic human tragedy and that's what brings people out of their chairs and makes them stand up and say that's enough and that's what happened
4: Well, and I think that is also driving the point that journalistic integrity is more important now than ever before. So we can't afford the gaffes like what we saw on the cover of Time magazine because we, we really need people to be able to access the truth and to Ask why, and to do their research, and not just well, getting the right
1: answers was not easy. The administration changed their stories several true. times. It's
0: more the difficult now than ever. I think one of the when when this story first began to percolate about three weeks ago, uh, I shied away from addressing it because the initial social media reports were they were using photos that were four or five years old. That's right. Uh, they were photos taken by the Arizona Republic in 2013 and 2014 when families were being detained and and people were putting it on social media as if they were new and slamming the Trump administration. The Arizona Republic immediately corrected that, wrote stories saying our voters are being misused. But when I saw that, I I stepped back and said, wait a second. the, the reality is there were partisan games played on both sides mm-hmm. here. People were using these kids for their own political purposes and for other purposes rather than focusing on what's true and what's the humane thing to and do. And
2: say-
6: sometimes it takes issue time for issues to percolate, too. Sure, to Tim, get I'll, to the truth. I'll have to say that the media has to stay sharp and has to stay vigilant, especially when you have a uh, puppet master like Donald Trump who knows how to, Uh, make a show out of everyday life and control uh, the narrative. So I was listening to NPR and heard the orchestra of children wailing without a conductor. And then they went, uh, they had the the, uh, source, uh, basically the source of the source, uh, come on to try to authenticate that recording she couldn't do it, right? right? Yeah. So I'm sitting there listening, I'm a, a moderate liberal, uh, and listening to liberal media, and I don't even believe what's coming out of the radio.
0: It, it, and that, and that think, thanks for bringing up the audio tape. When I first heard, about, I haven't, when I first heard that that tape was being released, I was really uncomfortable with that. Because again, as journalists, we have to not only be accurate, we have to be fair. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a parent, my kids are now grown, but I can remember dropping my kid off at preschool, with a babysitter and what do they do they cried and they screamed until we walked out the door i mean that's what kids do when they're that's in a strange environment and so it, yeah. it does but at the same time is it, is it fair to say well there are children crying because they're they're separated from their parents well that's what kids do all every day and preschools that's across people america people thought this was so awful
4: but to, back because to the point, yeah. they weren't
0: just separated but, for the day i dropped yeah. my kids off at preschool they know I'm going to go pick
4: and them up. Well, but they're reunited. crying because
0: they don't know. That's
1: the Some that's the families issue.
4: will never be reunited. I don't know. But I, I can tell you, back to Jamar's point, too, about communication, journalistic in- integrity, I think you're absolutely right. And i just like to add, the medium of communication has also changed so the speed and also the access that just regular citizens have to twitter streams yeah. and to think issues going viral and to take the rhetorical value of an image like we saw on time magazine's cover and tweet and retweet and repeat it's we have to be um, also, self-policing as non-journalists—that we're not contributing. journalism. that we're not contributing, yes, we, we're I mean, not contributing toward yes. the problem. Something that
0: doesn't have advocacy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. But we also have to be—whether you're on the left or the right—doesn't matter. You have to be willing to accept facts that don't fit your worldview, sure. and that's one of the that's issues we right. have right Everyone's now. Everyone's in their own echo chamber. Yeah. I mean, I, like I, I right. responded to a reader this, this past week uh, who was raising some points, and I, I just happened to know they were factually incorrect. I sent a link to a story from factcheck.org that detailed, right, what the facts are. And the person immediately How's responded, it's like, yeah, I don't <laughs> believe factcheck.org, that's a liberal website, right? Yeah. And it's like, wait a second, you know, facts are facts. Whether, whether you want to accept them or not, you, you, you can't just create things to fit the, what you want the world to be.
2: But The larger point is that without a free press, we don't have democracy. But that also brings a tremendous responsibility on the free press, which most of them comply with, but not all.
4: And, you know, when we have newsrooms that are being gutted of personnel and you have people covering online, even just a county commissioner's meeting, you have a guy with a blog and an opinion, that's not the same as a trained trained journalist journalist. who ascribes to these principles.
1: Right. Words matter uh, yeah. now more than ever, too. Precision mm-hmm. of words. What 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 does this mean specifically? I mean, you had a fight about whether these cage-like structures were really cages, whether the policy was really a policy. Right. Tough to parse through some of I those. I did not
4: have sexual relations with that woman. What you know, that, I think of Bill Clinton. the word right, yeah, 20 years truth, ago? Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: And, that's, mm-hmm. and that's, yes. And I think what that was in some ways is. the beginning yeah. of that era of, of politicians parsing words very right. precisely. Oh, and I think sometimes we have to step back. I mean, do we really want to have a discussion about whether a cage is a cage when we're talking about we're where talking children about are being right? Kept, right. right?
1: What and do it, you that
4: think that about alternate facts?
0: What do I think yeah.
1: about them? Yeah. Facts, are facts. Way, yeah. I, I'm the one who asked you guys what, <laughs> <starting> <laughs> <on the show. laughs> so what you decided to show. Who's asking the questions yeah. here? <laughs> But we always enjoy asking the questions, hearing your answers, and hearing your feedback. It's like Those David let him in as as President Obama. That's right. <laughs> That's right. When he turned the tables on, on Netflix. You got it. Guys, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll see you next week.